Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive Podcast. It's me, Chris Howard, as always. Thank you so much, lovely listener, for joining us on, well, for us, it's a Thursday of release, but maybe you're listening to this on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. We don't discriminate. You can listen to the HR podcast whenever you like. Sometimes I like listening to my podcasts when I go out for a run. Or when I'm on the tube. It's entirely up to you what you want to do. I am waffling, as is my want and tend to do, because today we are going to be talking about productivity and performance, but with a specific link to well-being. I'm going to we're going to get into the nub of the well-being side of it because it's not something that we've focused on. Again, I'll talk about that in a minute. But before I go any further, it would be remiss of me not to introduce my guest today. It's just myself and uh, and our guest. So we're going to try our very best Sonny and Cher duet impression. He will be much better if we were to actually do the singing part of it than me, because he's got a, you can't see this listener, but he's got a wonderful keyboard in the background. So I know that he's a bit of a musician. But Tim Ringo from Lace and uh, published author. How are you, sir? Very good. Good to be on with you yet again, Chris. I'm always happy to come in and uh, talk about these subjects with you. And would you be Sunny or would you be Cher is the first important question all of our listeners want to know. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to be Sunny because he's dead. So uh, well, I'm not normally okay. Cher. So. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Touche. Sunny and Cher from way back when. But I yeah. digress. I digress. So I want to talk about um, particularly productivity. And we'll mention our productivity campaign before we get into the well-being. Before we do that, though, just for our listeners, if you can do a little bit of a credentials check. So give everyone a bit of a heads up as to who you are, your background. But then also let's do a minute or two on your book, Solving the Productivity Puzzle, because it's kind of been part of the inspiration for our Redefining Workforce Productivity campaign. So if you could just talk about those couple of bits and then we'll talk, sure. we'll get into the details of the campaign and the well-being stuff. Yeah, my background is I, I did 30 years in uh, Accenture, IBM and SAP, where I led sort of global uh, human capital transformation practices in those big companies. So I've been doing this for a very long time, which is why I have gray hair, which the listeners can't see. But yeah, I did that for 30 years and uh, retired in 2019. Then the lovely Aaron and Kathy at Lace founders coaxed me out of uh, retirement to come and work with Lace, which I enjoy very much. It's been coming up to a year now, so not far off, which is hard to believe. So, and one of my roles at LACE is to help bolster our thought leadership campaigns. I wrote a book just before the pandemic, came out during the pandemic called Solving the Productivity Puzzle. And now I'm working on a next book, which is about demystifying sort of digital HR. And both of these books have covered well-being and how it impacts people's productivity. So I guess that's probably a good intro to, to today and my credentials for, for talking on this subject. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely brilliant. And of course, as you, as I mentioned right at the top of the show, we'll get into the well-being in a second. But we launched a couple of months ago now at the time of recording our 
product, uh, our redefining workforce productivity campaign, we have a host of different bits of materials that if you want to listen, you can watch because we've got a video, which is a fireside chat that we did talking about why we need to redefine workforce productivity. We have sure. a few blogs that we've produced. We've got some podcasts as well, some really interesting ones around the links between happiness and productivity, le leading to productivity. And we've run a couple of events as well, looking at productivity, engagement, things like that. But we, I want to focus a little bit on well-being today. That's the uh, that's the the main nub of today's podcast. And you've done a little bit of work on this, Tim. So just to, let's just frame this a little bit, if that's okay. And if you could just talk me through some of the some of the conversations you've had. You've obviously been asked to speak on this at various conferences. So what what are the sort of things that you've been talking about when you've looked at you know the impact of well-being and how it it has that that effect on increasing productivity uh, performance within a business? Well, I should probably admit right up front that I didn't really see well-being as all that important in people productivity when I set out to write the book, Solving the Productivity Puzzle. And my wife, who's way smarter than me, said that was a big mistake. And so she kept putting articles in my hand and bits of research and that sort of thing, you know, showing that it, it's absolutely critical to people's productivity. And I guess intuitively I should have known that. But um, uh, sort of in my working career, well-being hasn't been a big part in the organizations that I worked in until really quite late. It used to be, I can remember back at Accenture, we used to work, you know, anywhere from 16-hour days, six, seven days a week. And, you know, there was no part of well-being in any, in any of that. But I was young and it, it, it was fun. And but yeah, people don't really do that anymore, which I think is a really good thing. So anyway, I come from sort of the old school, sort of, you know, just work harder, just work more hours. But I learned later in my career that that's actually a bit of a false economy, that, um, you know, overworking people is just a road to burnout, to making mistakes, to tamping down innovation and new ways of thinking and doing and just generally isn't isn't very good but so when i was researching the book you know and initially in solving productivity i didn't really have anything on on well-being in it because of that kind of old school thinking but i quickly became a convert and realized this is then probably the top you know three things that impacts people's productivity but what i also discovered is it's actually a, a quite a complex subject where i've seen well-being quite often as a gym in the on the first floor or something in the office and, yeah. and maybe a, a nurse on site and and you know maybe you know taking mental health days or something like that but kind of very piecemeal sort of things and what i discovered in my research is that actually there's a whole load of dimensions to well-being in terms of driving workforce and workplace performance. And it's actually a really complicated subject. And I'll go through some of those in a moment. But but essentially what I learned is it's it's so important. And I'm a big fan of it now and talk about it quite a bit. And in my next book, we'll talk about, I'll be talking about how there's technologies emerging that are making it a lot easier for organizations to look after people's well-being. And I'll talk a little bit about that as well in the new book. But yeah, so so just kind of getting to the to the dimension. So I, I sort of look at it in in kind of there's there's two tracks here. There's the individual themselves who's sitting in the organization, and then there's the organization itself and its leadership. And I think they have two distinct sort of sets of dimensions that really come together and create a holistic approach to, to well-being. So let's talk about the individual first. So I think there's kind of five key things that people 
should be seeking uh, to have in an organization, but also should be aware of. And I think for me, one of the things that I discovered in my research was just how important the dimension of motivation is. So if you work in an organization that you don't you don't personally align, doesn't personally align with your values and the things that you believe and and you know kind of your everyday life, that can be highly stressful actually. So if you if you're a very big sort of anti-smoking person and you work for a tobacco company, well, that's going to be quite stressful and not very much, not very motivating. And I know that's an extreme example, but the point is, is that, um, you know, the, the really kind of your wellness starts from your, your matching your work to your personal motivations and your to your personal desires and working somewhere when you get up in the morning you say yeah I can't I can't wait to get to work today that and it can't be like that every day but but most of the times you wake up and say yeah I can't wait to get to work and that's that's really important and and kind of is the core of understanding yourself and understanding how how important that is in well-being the next thing that sort of flows from that is kind of your mental well-being which is again where motivation sort of starts and and I think during the pandemic this this idea of you know asking for help if you're if you're struggling mentally has become sort of become a thing now where people feel more comfortable a lot of organizations really focused on this the world health organization is estimating that coming out of the pandemic that the the the, the percentage of people worldwide that are dealing with anxiety and depression is up from 15% to 25% which is a massive sort of leap it's probably underestimating it and it's really important that organizations say hey we realize that that part of your wellness is your is your mind and so you need to be comfortable to be able to go to your boss and say, look, I've got some issues and I could use some time off and I could use some resources around my mental health. And one of the stories I like to tell is, is around the former CEO of SAP, who was CEO when I was there, Bill McDermott, who had a terrible accident in 2017, I think it was, where he fell down some stairs. He was holding a glass of water, glass shattered and went into his eyes and effectively instantly pretty much blinded him. And he nearly bled to death on the, on the floor, but his brother found him, rushed him to the hospital. But you know, that was a massive change in his life. And he admits that he underestimated the change. He went almost straight back to work within a couple of weeks and admitted much later that that was really difficult. And he basically dedicated the whole of the next year to everybody's mental health, saying you should be able to ask for mental health. Here's the resources we're giving you. And everybody should feel comfortable. We're going to train leaders to, to you know, be open and, and helping and these types of things. So mind has become a really important thing, mental health. But another thing that we found during another dimension, third dimension, we found during the, the pandemic was connections, right? So social connections became really important. People started to feel, you know, very disconnected, felt lonely. And that's carried on into today, really, where a lot of people now work from home or do some sort of hybrid working. Those connections are so important and connections to your colleagues. It, it kind of ties back again to your mental health and your motivation. And, you know, one of the reasons why you work for organizations probably because you like the people, right? And, and so you want connections to that. And then I think comes to the one that most wellness organizations you know, wellness programs focus on, which is the body, right? So your physical health, super, super important and organizations seeing how important reducing absenteeism to the business. And so the body is, is important part. And then lastly, the resources, the last dimension for the individuals are resources that you can access for all of these four dimensions. And that's kind of the, the key part. So that's the individual bit, Chris. And I, I just sort of pause and see if you have any questions or, or thoughts on before we move on to what's the organization's dimensions that they need need to focus on. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that individual piece, I find 
particularly fascinating and particularly change the changes as well that you've talked about since you were in your earlier on in the career, but also when I was earlier on in my career as well. And the first thing that popped into my mind when you're talking about the motivations and does a company's values aligned, I started to think about when I first started getting into work and that sort of question didn't really enter my head because my mindset was almost need to get a job so I can get paid so I can then have buy a house and live my life because you know work is the one part of my life etc 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 but I feel like that change certainly has accelerated in recent years and we all know the reasons we won't labor the point pandemic etc 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 and the question I got, I guess I've got, I've got for you, and I just want your kind of thoughts on is, I thought to myself, is it more a generational thing, i.e. the younger generation coming through are starting to be able to look at their, their values a little bit, oh, they're looking at that, the values of the businesses that they want to work for. And is that also as a result of the market that we've had because we've all talked about how it's such a difficult market at the moment to attract and retain people and because of that i can't think of a more erudite way of putting it perhaps candidates are, or employees are becoming a little bit more picky what's your kind of thoughts on that oh absolutely i think there's been a huge change i think back to 1990 when i took my first job at what was then called anderson consulting which became accenture i graduated from university during a recession so i was really fortunate to have three different organizations to choose from coming out of business school and i actually chose anderson consulting which was going to pay me the less of all the three doing this stuff in this kind of cool new area you know about implementing computers and and that sort of thing which i know it's hard to believe that that was new but it was back <laughs> then and i just kind of thought you know i'm not really sure what i want to do when i grow up but this sounds like the future and i'm really excited about that and they said hey you're going to get to travel and i said well definitely into that so i guess i, I sort of took an early view i was probably unconsciously doing it but kind of thought you know that aligns with what i want to do but you know let's be honest most people aren't in that position you have to take what's available because you got the mortgage you got the, the car payment school fees and things like that and i say this up front in solving the productivity puzzle it's great for people to say you know wait and hold out for the job that aligns to what you want to do and it's like well you might starve to death before that. so it isn't easy but it is important to know yourself and i I think that's what young people today are really good at good they're better at aligning kind of where they go to work you know so it was around 2008 2010 when a lot of tobacco companies couldn't get young people to join because they thought that was not where they wanted to be it happened then to the financial services organizations after the after the great recession a lot of young people didn't want to work for banks or investment companies because they thought that was that was also unethical and i think that's a great development i mean i i'm a big fan of you know people should align themselves to to the work that fits to their values because otherwise back to that motivations dimension you're going to get worn out pretty quick working somewhere you don't you, you know you don't align with so i think young people are a lot better than that i think you know 30 years ago it was kind of take what you can get and and, yeah. and go forward, you know, as you were saying. Yeah, exactly. And just one more question on the individual bit before we then move into the next section, which uh, you talk about, which is the organisational health. I liked your uh, your example. You, well, I didn't like it. It was not a very nice story, but uh, of your uh, the CEO falling down the stairs. But ultimately, this kind of focus on saying, right, I want I want to put mental health or I want to put well being right at the top. How many businesses do you think are because that that took a 
a real step change moment at a essentially the guy running the company, the guy at the top of the tree. That took a that that took a life changing moment for this really to be driven, and it's driven therefore by the top. And so I just yeah. wonder how many businesses have that because again. I wouldn't want to have an army of CEOs all falling down the stairs for some of them to realise that actually we need to emphasise more on this. Or do you think actually, do you know what, in today's world world of work that we're in, most companies, big companies, smaller companies, medium-sized companies, they're all kind of doing it already, so they don't need to have CEOs falling down the stairs to have that lightning bolt moment. Yeah, I, you know, I think coming out of the pandemic, the, there's a lot of bad habits that were broken. It's why we're seeing productivity and workplace engagement increase over the past few years because people, you know, learned lessons from that. And I think CEOs learned lessons from their own situation, you know, being stuck at home and that sort of thing and the effect it had on them. So, and the other thing is that Bill McDermott is now the CEO of ServiceNow and he took that whole idea to them. And, yeah. you know, he's big on, on well-being, so he spreads the word. So I think it's, you know, a lot of boards actually are now holding CEOs accountable for the mental health of their organizations and broader well-being, right? So I think that's helping a lot. So I think we're seeing a, a, a huge uptick in it's totally okay in organizations and, and training people, leaders, you know, to, to spot people who are struggling and that sort of thing. So it's definitely become a well-known idea and, and the benefits are well understood now. So it doesn't take, you know, somebody like Bill falling down the stairs to, you know, to kind of come to that conclusion that, that this is important anymore. I think it's just, it's generally seen as good business. Yeah. Certainly. Well, let's move on then to the to the next section, which is around organisational well-being. So just for the benefit of our listeners, just talk us through some of the sections that you've got within this kind of model that you found in, in your research. Yeah. So there's five dimensions. They mirror the individual ones. And I'll start with the first one, which is company purpose, which aligns that this is back to this mirrors then the motivations part for the individual. So company purpose is sometimes a catch-all for lots of things. But the, the key thing is is be being a purposeful organization and selling yourself on that and, and attracting people who align to that purpose. So you were ta- telling me about you're going to go see Bruce Springsteen this weekend. Big, big fan, great shows. But he, he said something quite a few years ago that I thought was really interesting. He said, look, I, I'm basically the CEO of a $200 million, you know, business, uh, you know, annual, annual revenue business. And there's 365 people who work for me. And, you know, the basically the way we look at it is that we're purpose led. We're all about putting out quality music and going doing quality shows and entertaining people to the fullest extent we can. That's our purpose. And that's all we do. And anybody who isn't aligned with that can leave. Right. And so that's what we've done for since, you know, the early 1970s. And it works for us. I think that's a brilliant way to put it. You know, even though he sees it's a small company, it makes a lot of money. But. He sees it as it's purpose driven. Everything is is not about him. It's about the total package that that the that the consumer gets in terms of buying music and 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 then coming and buying the tickets, right? So it's about a whole team effort. And I think that's the way CEOs should look at it, very much like how Bruce sees it and says, you know, yeah. I, we want to attract people who align to our purpose and uh, so, so it's very very important. So that links to motivations. The next part of that is then, well, leadership actions. It's no good to have a, so the next dimension is leadership actions. It's no good to have a really good company purpose like Bruce talks about without then leading in that way, right? And so leadership actions need to match the company purpose. If, if leadership is, is behaving in a way that's opposite of the company's purpose, opposite of people's motivations, then you may as well stop there because you're, you're not going to get anywhere in your well-being 
programs. So it's really important that le- that leaders like, you know, Bruce lives out every day. He's like, I know my name is on everything, but it's not about me. It's about the customer. It's about the people who appreciate the music. And that's what it's all about. And we all have a part to play in that. I think that's very inspirational. Which then gets to organizational practices as the next dimension. So leadership actions then should lead naturally then to organizational processes and practices which align to the company purpose and people's motivations. And it's really important because if those aren't consistent, it's very stressful. That's how you get people sick. And then you see absenteeism go up. So these are these things together, purpose, leadership actions organizational practices create an environment where people flourish right every day versus you know a negative environment so those three things together when they're aligned and matched to people's motivations you get a a place where people flourish and guess what that's a lot less stressful and a lot better for you and so now the next one is team dynamics okay now you're down inside the organization okay the people that work together should get on and people are just different and it's important for leaders to work with teams to help each other understand the different dynamics of working together and and do you know use some of these tools that help people understand each other's personalities things and 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 find kind of you know where people have weaknesses other people have strengths and and it all comes together and makes everybody better so it's really important to create team dynamics that that reduce stress and friction in organizations and that's that's really important which gets to the last one which i didn't learn until late in my career which is the dimension around job and work conditions so my last sort of year or two at sap before i retired from sap I, I got into the habit of doing monthly check-ins with my with my direct reports. And one of the things I always asked about was your job and work conditions. How's your workload? How's your PC? How's your chair? How's the office? How's the home office? Tell me what's not working. And that ended up being really, really helpful because people will not come and complain to you about their workload or their or their work conditions very often. And when you ask them, it takes that stress off of them because you're asking, hey, tell me. So let me give you an example. I had a woman in my team who was pregnant. And so we got her a special chair for her back and at some point i don't know a few weeks after she had it some senior executive came along and took it and decided it was his which is pretty astonishing that person shall remain nameless but you know i she didn't come and tell me i didn't know about it until i spoke to her a few weeks later and she said oh i said you know how's the chair working she's well so and so he took it for himself and i was like okay that's not good next time i'm in the office which is tomorrow i'm gonna go have a chat with him i'm gonna get that chair back you know and that just meant a lot to her because that i asked or else i never would have known and she would have just you know been suffering with an ordinary chair so you know i think it's important to to ask people how is it how are your work conditions your workload your your pc your screen, your desk, these things are really important to people. So uh, I think that's the organization's responsibility. So those are the five dimensions that map with the five dimensions of the individual and the organization. You bring these all together. That for me is a full end-to-end workforce well-being program. Yeah. And then that obviously leads to that overall organization of health, as you, health, as you mentioned. I've got a couple of questions just on the organization well-being bit. I think the, I'll start sort of in reverse order based in the chronology of when you talked about it. But the bit about job and work conditions is interesting. And you often, it's easy to forget the small things, isn't it? It's easy to forget as a line manager or as a leader within a business, those 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 things which you think are a really tiny impact. How are you getting on? How's your workload? Is there anything I can do to support? You know, those simple things that, could you, everyone just get so focused on the work you have to do and the jobs that you have to achieve and the meetings that you're in, that just being able to, go to your direct line reports and say yeah how are you you know what can i do and 
that can sometimes, in terms of when we link it back to the productivity, in that, those small things can have such a big difference, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't take much. I mean, it's it's about knowing your team. So as a leader, you need to understand people's motivations. You need to understand. And when you do that, you can understand the other dimensions and how you can design programs to to work for them. And so, yeah, I think that's where it starts. And, and the last thing I would say, well, there's two last things. One, these things are all measurable now. There's, I mean, McKinsey's and a few others have had these organizational health indexes that you can use to baseline and then measure people's wellness over time. And I think it's really important to measure these things. And then lastly, as I was talking about in, in my new book, I'm going to talk more about the technologies that are coming along that I think are going to help leaders be better at well-being programs. And I know some of these things sound a little bit big brotherish, and it's up to you, up to the organization if you want to use it or not. But you know, there are things like AI that can listen in on on um, conference calls and and pick up on all sorts of things and and give a leader a, a view on kind of how your team are doing in terms of you know whether they're stressed or they're too much workload or somebody's really happy and somebody's really sad. And it can give you sort of feedback if the team agree this is okay for the leader to have this kind of information. But there's kind of artificial intelligence that's coming along. It's going to allow you to proactively head off situations around people's well-being before maybe it even it even is impacting them. And so, yeah. And there's other things that are coming along, like you'll see soon, that people are going to have personal assistants on their desk that help them every day with their work, you know, and you're going to be able to talk to it. And it's it has artificial intelligence and it's going to do stuff for you. And it's also going to help to monitor your personal well-being and those sorts of things. So those are coming that I think are going to make a big, big change in, in these things. So these kind of technologies I'm going to talk about in the next book. Oh, little teaser there for the audience. Book un as 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 yet untitled just yet, or uh, the working title is demystifying digital HR. The thing you said about at the digital assistant stuff, I think, is quite interesting, particularly in the world that we now live, where so many people are remote working and you know it's closed off. So you and I are obviously on this podcast, but we're doing it from our respective rooms. And if you've got an entire day where you're not actually connecting and making those connections with people, what you mentioned in the individual well-being section, imagine if you you're pretty much fully remote and you know you don't make as many connections because the type of job that you've got something like that can have a profound impact on on well-being potentially yeah yeah so, so to close out, I'm a big fan of it. I think it's hugely important to workplace performance and individual performance. And I learned a lot from, you know, writing on the subject and speaking on the subject. And what's interesting is I speak at, at conferences and also do workshops on it. And, you know, the, the amount of interest and the amount of focus on it is is huge around the world, wherever you go. And I think it's it's good because it's about time. Yeah, I've got. Sorry, I know you said you were closing off. Just one more question. But around you, you obviously dropped a, a, a lovely uh, reference to Springsteen there, and of course, I myself too are a big fan. Of course, very easy to all move in a certain direction when you've got something sexy like oh, you know, I work for an, a rock star type thing. Or there's that story about, uh, I don't know if this is an urban legend or not. I think I pre probably even mentioned this on podcasts before, but that sort of a janitor working at NASA type thing, or what do you do? I think the president saying, what do you do? I put people on the moon. That's all like linked towards, you know, having one purpose and one vision. Don't know whether or not this is a leading question or not. So I'll just, uh, it's, I'll leave it open enough for you to interpret. But is it a lot easier for businesses that have kind of, a sexy kind of brand, if you like, and and vision to be able to have everyone uh, moving in that one direction, as opposed to a financial services business, for example. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, you know, you you would kind of think that you would kind of think so, but you know, let's use SpaceX as an example. I like to use it as an example quite often of wow, isn't this an amazing purpose? The company is all about putting humans on Mars. It's for me, that's super exciting. But I notice sometimes when I talk about it at conferences, you can just see people's eyes glaze over like that's the least interesting thing. <laughs> so it's attracting a certain person. But I, I did a workshop once in Vancouver and there was a woman who headed HR for the sewage company, the sorry, the sewage board was part of the government. And she's like, you know, we have no problem recruiting people. There are people out there that are that just love everything to do with sewage and they love solving the problem of sewage. And I was like, okay, I think I've heard it all now. And she's like, no, no, (laughs) you know, people would rather come work for us in the government because we're doing cool stuff to try to, you know, make cities hygienic and and that sort of stuff and we, you know, it's great we use that as a purpose we say look we're the leading people in in sort of poo i guess <laughs> but uh but so i think you can make a purpose out of almost anything now certainly some things yeah. uneth- you know some people see tobacco for instance totally unethical and you know there's other businesses to, and you can't kind of patch over that but i think you can make most things sexy to the right people i think yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? And I guess that's if you've got an organisation that's very good at being able to find the people that are passionate with within the business, within their business, and are aligned to that value, then they're the ones that are going to be able to retain people because they are aligned to those values. Right. Listen, Tim, absolutely amazing getting some time with you to talk about all things well-being and the link between productivity today. Really, really good to to get you along. And of course, as I mentioned, right towards the beginning of the show, we have a whole campaign of different sort of topics like this one where we're talking about redefining the concept of uh, productivity into performance. If you want to reach out to Tim, where can they find you on the Twitters or the LinkedIn's? That's right. Yeah. On Twitter, I'm Ringo UK, all one word. LinkedIn, you can just search Tim Ringo. There's only two of us. One chap who lives in South Carolina and then me in London. So you'd probably be able to tell the difference. And then, of course, my website is is timringo.com. But but find me on Lace, which is my Lace email, which is tim at lacepartners.co.uk. Fantastic stuff. Thank you very much to you guys that have been listening in today. Hopefully you found it as entertaining and enthralling as I have. And if you'd like to make any suggestions for any potential podcast guests, we are always interested. But uh, for now, from Chris Wood and from Mr. Ringo, it's been great to see you and we will see you soon. Bye.